Welcome back to the Haircuts and Puckets podcast. This is episode two of our mini-series. Uh, today I'm joined by artist Shannon Lane. If uh, you haven't seen her artwork before, I suggest you go and check it out. She's absolutely amazing. And, well, just go check it out. They're, I can't describe your artwork, to be honest. It's it's amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty surreal, I guess. A lot of people ask me what kind of artwork. I actually got asked this question yesterday, like, what kind of artwork do you make? And you're like, I can't even try to explain it. I'm just going to show you. Because you say, oh, it's surreal and, you know, it's about mental health. And I think it's just hard for people to actually envision. Um, and I think there's something as well as me being like quite a petite woman. People don't expect me to create some of the, the wild, monstrous scenes that I do. <laughs> Especially one with a massive fish with the huge teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, obviously, if people can't uh, see, I did this artwork, which is like a small child looking at a uh, big aquarium. And there's like a giant, I think it's a wolf fish or some sort of angler fish, but it's it's ginormous, kind of overlooming her. But um, the whole idea of that, obviously, is the child's not like backing away and scared. It's kind of facing the big fish, which is a theme that is reflective in all my artwork, like a small person facing some giant monster or figure. So, <clears throat> see, the whole premise of this mini-series is to talk about doing something you enjoy to help battle your mental health and uh, keep your mental well-being at a state where you can be happy. So, if we go back to the beginning, uh, all your your artwork, everything was all fine, you know, doing your art, because you've been painting and for, well, for years. Yeah, since I, well, if we're going to go from the start, since I was about five, yeah. yeah. But I guess looking into it as a professional manner, yeah, since like I was 19, which is like, yeah, almost 10 years. Yeah, and then, so you, you took a, a break from it for a little bit, didn't you, to focus more on your career? Mm -hmm. And then yeah. you've, you've got back into your art over the past like two years like, yeah focusing on it yeah i think so what i've always obviously been drawing just because i find it quite therapeutic but i started kind of i didn't really know what to be drawing about and i was just kept doing self-portraits and i mean even though like they were artistically good i didn't feel like they really expressed anything like it felt like they was expressing me but it still didn't feel right that i was expressing anything i felt um and then I had a bit of a break from that because I just like, I don't know, it just got a bit too much. I didn't really, I doubted my artistic abilities. And then I went through a really, really bad patch of um, mental health. Like I didn't realize at the time, but I basically was going through a depression spiral. So I started drawing these kind of tiny little monsters that um, they were just completely from my imagination and they like were really spindly and I don't know, it, it kind of resonated from like the nightmares I get and it also reflected like the depression in a very like literal sense. Um, and I just worked in black and white pencil, like it was a really dark period of my life. And then it's not till really recently that I realized that depression, like 
I don't have to reflect it on so literally like, oh, you know, everything's so dark and miserable, the big monsters and stuff. I realized that I can control this, these monsters and these demons and add color to my work, make this like bright, amazing, like um, dreamscapes, I like to call them, that, you know, the depression, the demons, the mental health is still there, but I am facing it and I'm kind of making it into a scene that is, you know, it looks nice, it feels welcoming and it's not so scary anymore. And by literally, I guess, personifying the depression and mental health condition that I have, it made me feel like it was less scary. So in my artwork, there's one which is a giant Barbie. Um, and the, the kind of, the original, why that I did that was because when I was a child, I never really liked Barbie. I found them like, I found it not really interesting. I was more into like playing with insects outside and stuff. Um, so to do something that was like, you know, growing up as a child, oh, why don't you play with Barbie, blah, blah, blah. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna put something as my childhood as the depression because maybe it originated from my childhood, I don't know. And I made it this big, scary Barbie with a big open mouth and big googly eyes. Um, but by making it look so silly, it didn't seem scary anymore. And I, it felt nice to be able to visualize my depression like that and it not to be this scary monster anymore. It's like this big, silly monster, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes total sense because then you're taking control of the situation as well. Absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> so obviously we talk about how it reflects on your artwork, but how, if you look back now to a year ago, say two years ago, okay, can you see quite the big improvement in your well-being? Yeah. Sorry, my dog's just hung. Let me just let him out one second. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> uh, thank you. Sorry. Um, so um, I think, sorry, can you hear that barking? It's fine. Okay. <laughs> He's a bit of a nightmare sometimes. So in terms of my actual well-being, I think um, my art, my, he's put me off. One, sorry, one second. I'm just going to get him back in. Sorry. Okay. So in terms of my mental well-being, of creating artwork has helped. I think and with any artist, it comes to a point where you start to become quite self-critical. I think especially someone who is quite sensitive or empathetic like I am, and anyone who has mental health conditions, I think they are. Um, so you begin like, you kind of set yourself standards of artwork. So, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, I think this is amazing. But then I'm like, then I need to keep making amazing artwork. I need to keep expressing myself like that. And then when you have a creative rut, which I do quite a lot, because obviously the highs are amazing, the lows are awful, then it gets really, really bad. But one thing I actually started to do yesterday is, you know, I don't have to create these amazing big giant dreamscapes every time. I can just do tiny, tiny drawings. So that's what I'm trying to do because of my mental well-being because I'm not putting myself to any standard. I am just creating and doing it with like my whole heart and my mind involved. And I think the things that come out are a lot more authentic than the pieces that are maybe curated a bit more, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean, because mm -hmm. um, that's why I've asked you to come onto the podcast because see, not everyone is going to be an amazing artist. Just like this is predominantly a boxing podcast because that's what I grew up doing and that's, what I love, um, but doing something that you in, enjoy and then taking the pressure out of it to just do it for the enjoyment can help so many people. Like if you're a musician or if you want to learn an instrument or if you just 
want to start doodling or knitting or anything uh and it's interesting to listen to what you're saying that you you take the pressure out of it and then you can see improvements there and obviously it's reflected in your bigger work as well i think it's quite an important message for people to realize that it is a cycle but there is things you can do to to take control and see improvements Exactly. And I think, you know, especially with social media and people always comparing. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm <laughs> surprised sec. my dog isn't. <laughs> one sec, one second. Sorry. I'm just going to give him a treat. <laughs> okay. So especially with social media, I think everyone's putting up, you know, their show reels or rather than their bloopers, everyone says. And I think people always want to show that they're doing the best thing possible, whether that be boxing, knitting or any sort of hobby they have. Or like you know singing and i think it's really easy to compare yourself and not even begin doing something um so even for myself you know i feel like oh, i'm feeling creative today and then i go on instagram and i'm like see, obviously i see all these amazing artists that i follow and i'm like you know what i'm not even gonna bother so i think it's really important to do something for yourself and definitely do not compare like what you're doing before you've even started it or the final product to someone else because everything you do is like you said it's it's for your own mental well-being and your your own improvement so even though you visually might not be able to see you know i'm getting better at something you know i'm getting better at boxing every time i'm getting better at drawing every time your mental health is still improving every time you're getting stronger and you know and understanding how to distract yourself or like i guess heal yourself in a in a different way yeah i completely agree because like we said off cameras <clears throat> you know i think it's quite important that people realize this taking time for yourself to improve your mental well-being is not selfish you know if like i said it sounds disgusting but if you're morbidly obese and you start going to the gym everyone's going to give you a pat on the back everyone's going to say well done it's no different to taking time out for yourself even if it's only half hour a day an hour a day to do something that can calm you down, make you feel better, and in the long run, help you manage mental health issues. And I think it's a message people need to listen to, and not just men, which is why I've got you on, because there's a lot of talk about men's mental health at the moment. And as much as I think that is absolutely amazing, people seem to forget that you know women can suffer too. Yeah, I think we deal with it in different ways. I think women can be naturally more vocal about it. I think obviously there's a lot of constraints on men and, you know, being masculine and not feeling like you can't say, oh, I'm really dealing with something right now. Um, but I think a strong thing I really believe in, and maybe this is a little bit off the point, but when someone says, oh, do you want to come out tonight? You know, I've got birthday or anything like that. You're allowed to say, no, I need to have some time for myself. Like you're allowed to say no to these things and don't make, let someone feel, make you feel guilty for, you know, not going out or not doing something that you planned just because you're like, you're allowed to sit in and have a bubble bath and just relax and have some time for your mental health. And even if it feels like, you know, you got getting FOMO or you're not doing anything and you're wasting time or something, you're not, you're allowed to take that time out and just, like what I like to imagine it is, you know, your brain receptors are always going off and sometimes you just need to let them numb down a bit to get a bit of sense of reality and, you know, bring your feet back down and know who you are and like trust your 
instincts a bit more, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, it, it does make sense. It's uh, That's why just going on a dog walk for an hour, you know, you can be in the shittest mood ever sometimes. The dog needs to go out. It's scratching at the door. It's barking. An hour later, you feel so much calmer, so much more relaxed. And nine times out of ten, you've forgotten what you're as anxious about because that's unfortunately how anxiety works. You start panicking and there's no real reason. Yeah, you need something to break yourself out of the spiral, essentially. Um, and... I think by doing something that does take you away from thinking so much about like, even though when I am going through like a depression or anxiety spell, I, I don't really feel like I'm overthinking anything. It just feels like everything's a bit much. Like it's, I always think of it as like a spider web and I can't, or okay, this is a better analogy. I think my brain sometimes is like, every thought is like a jar of flies. And sometimes every jar is open and all the thoughts are going crazy. And I can't even put like one, I'm trying to put them all back and I can't, you know, it's all going crazy. So I feel like just having some time off allows you to just like focus on one thing and then the other and then the other, or maybe just completely not think about anything. And just like you said, do some boxing, like exercise is amazing at that because it does just take your mind away from thinking. You don't need to think, it's your body doing the work. I like that analogy about the jar of flies. <laughs> it's not right. the it's not the most romantic of analogies. But... <laughs> no, but it's very visual, and yeah. it's true because I uh, I've openly talked about it before. Like, I suffered massively with anxiety to the point where I feel like I'm not good enough for anything. Not just you know as a dad or a husband. So am I good enough at my job? Like, can I even cut hair anymore? Can I do this? Can I do that? And then you have to sometimes sit back and realize, well yeah I, I i can do these things but when you're in that state of mind there's nothing anyone can say sometimes to calm you down that's literally what i was about to say because the amount of time like so one of my art pieces is um like i i like to draw things with big smiles that's where it originated from and the the whole reason that a lot of these characters these demonic characters have big smiles um, it's because when I was depressed, people were like, oh, why are, you, why are you sad? You've got nothing to be sad about. You should be smiling. You should be happy. And that's the reason I did it, because I started to think, you know what? Okay, I will be happy. I'll show all my artwork these disgustingly big, gruesome smiles, because it's not it's not about that. It's not about people saying, well, you've got nothing to worry about. Why are you anxious? You know, like, your, your life is amazing. It's not about that. It's something that's so internal and ingrained into you. Like, I... Hate, I hate to admit this, but I've had time off work. Well, I shouldn't hate to admit it, but it's getting better. But, you know, I've had time off work a lot um, back in my old job when I was really, really suffering because of anxiety and not thinking I was good enough. And then when you start to do that, you go deeper and deeper into this spiral. Oh, no, now I've had time off work. People think this, people think that. And you just go down and down and down. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there is no way out of it other than sometimes just take it, removing yourself from the situation. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> Uh, it hurts me that you said that, which is what I really want to pick up on, is when people tell you you've got nothing to worry about, you've got nothing to be sad about, etc., etc., etc. This is a, a conversation I've had with you know, my wife and friends, because what I want to do, so with the hair product side of it all, yeah, it's 18 years of experience gone into creating what I think is the best hair products you can get, leave your hair non-greasy etc 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 
they're only there to fund my real mission, which is I generally want to use that money to send barbers, hairdressers, PTs on mental health first aid courses, because I think it is so dangerous um, when people tell you things like that. Now, it's great that people are talking. It's great that people are opening up. And it's amazing as people are willing to listen. I'm not, you know, talking bad about that at all. But it's for that small percentage of people that are going to get told, you've got nothing to worry about, this, that, and the other. That is dangerous for people. Yeah. But if there's a group of people you can go to that aren't in your friendship group, that do have a base level of training, it makes it so much easier for them to go, look, I, I'm not a fully qualified, you know, psychiatrist. I've only got the first aid certificate, but I can see you're spiraling. Why don't you contact this number? Why don't you phone Healthy Minds? Why don't you phone your GP? Instead of being told you're fine, because when you're not fine and people tell you you are fine, it generates that spiral. So... I guess here's a question for you. Do you. As a barber, do a lot of people open up to you with mental health then? Yeah, so I, <clears throat> in lockdown, on multiple occasions, I had to drive to where my shop is to talk to particular people who was going to kill themselves. Wow. Um, no, they've got friends and family but they contacted me i've been doing this 18 years and people open up to you and people tell you stuff that they won't tell their friends they won't tell their family because it's that bond you build up with people it sounds odd but when you're cutting someone's hair you're making them look good you know they look good they feel good so they associate you with feeling good so it makes it easy for them to talk to you about stuff that's making them feel bad. And yeah, it's happened many occasions. I've I've had grown men in my chair, you know, going through divorces, crying their eyes out, opening up to me. And I'm 33. I've never been through that. And yeah, I've been honest with them. I said, I'm really sorry. I've, I've, I've got no experience. I was like, but I was like, you know, don't forget to make time for yourself. Don't forget to, if you want to go out and see your friends, go out and see your friends. You need to do something to keep yourself in a positive mindset. And yeah, like I guess that do your employees, are they all like really eager to do this mental health training as well? Because that's the, that's amazing if they are. Yeah, it is. Um, and, you know, the girl who works for me is well on board and, you know, she's very passionate about it as well, which is part of the ethos of my company um, uh, if you want to turn up and just cut hair and make as much money as possible go to another shop that's not what I'm about you know people before profit is always be my motto you know I'm not here to sell my shop but I think there's a lot of barbers like me out there and that's you know why I want to start talking about the mental health side more than the boxing because the Talking about the boxing was for my mental health. That was to keep me busy. And well, you'll know when you go, you know, you've got a friend who's a hairdresser. Mm. Um, and she probably has the same thing. She probably has a lot of people open up to her. And 
I think it'd be amazing if they could be one day at a hundred people up and down the country trained and willing and able to help people. Yeah. So I, I think I spoke to you about this off camera that I'm doing this art project at the moment where I'm now moving on to other people's demons. So I asked a few people, what, have they got any trauma or fears that they'd like to face? Um, when I asked that question, you know, I was opening up to, I'm scared of the dark or, you know, maybe something I'm scared of rejection, I'm scared of death. Um, I got a lot of answers that were way deeper and more impactful than I ever could have imagined. And it scared me because I, my idea was this, you know, to create a monster kind of thing and have the little person of whoever it is kind of facing that demon in an artwork and then revealing it to them and it can be some sort of cathartic artwork um however i started to think you know how can i deal with this like we're talking stuff like you know sexual assault or racism in the family something like oh people not accepting sexuality and i was like god this is a i've bitten off more than i can choose so I also have started to look in, well, I've actually bought a course where it's artwork and mental health. So it's kind of like art therapy, but I'm not going to say I'm an art therapist because I don't, I find a lot of art therapists, maybe they do it because they want to help people and don't have the right intentions. However, I'm not going to be charging people. I just want to be doing it so I can enable people to speak to me a bit more openly and I can understand how to deal with the situation such as yourself, as you're saying. So, you know, I'm not just saying like, I don't, I don't want ever, ever someone to unload onto me and be like oh god like speechless and like you know to be another person they don't know how, i don't know how the answer i mean there is no answer but at least this way we can help people as like we've helped ourselves no i'm i remember you uh, putting that out there about the doing the art therapy course and i think it's brilliant i think it's one of the reasons why i got you on here because it's how you've dealt with your issues as well isn't it is through art you you've lent into your passion and what you know and why can't somebody else you know not everyone is going to be the next Monet not everyone's going to be the next Van Gogh not everyone's going to be the next Miro mm. but well, everyone can have fun and learn and improve well so I did this solo exhibition in London in summer and I was really working out how to like do i just put it all on the walls but i i basically like i said those tiny little drawings i did of like the weird creepy monsters in black and white so what i did was the hall of depression so you came in and it was like a table in the center and the tiny little drawings like just on there and people could see these like really dark scary characters and then at the end was the big artworks that we were talking about earlier like the big colored ones and it kind of showed my progress in terms of my mental health. It wasn't inability, it was just how my artwork, I started to add color to it and, you know, embrace the mental health conditions that I have. Because I think it's such a toxic thought that if you have a mental health condition, oh, you know, you're it's detrimental to everything else you do. Whereas my idea of it is, you know, a lot of people with mental health conditions have amazing creative brains. And I think if you, think about something you know if you're anxious about something you, you have such powerful thought that you can enable that to make something beautiful for beautiful from it like you can you know narrow down on boxing you can narrow down on something else and you can be un unbelievable at it and I, I just want people to know that just because you've got a mental health condition 
you're not going to get rid of it okay we're going to be blunt you're not going to just fix it and go to a therapist or take some pills that it's going to be fixed it's always going to be there and i think or you, at least the ability for you to feel that is always going to be there so i think what i like to push out there is that embrace it it's okay to feel that way you're going to have ups you're going to have downs and hopefully we're going to you know together we will have more ups but i want people to be able to yeah embrace it and see the color and the positives i know this sounds so toxic positivity and i don't mean that but see the yeah the 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 positives in having a mental health condition you're different from everyone else and that's okay and you know the best people do suffer with stuff like in history you know comedians like you know a lot of people sadly have like you know have killed themselves because you don't they don't expect it but these are the most creative people because our brains are wired a little bit differently yeah and you know we're saying you know it, <clears throat> i think titan fury put it the best um you'll never get rid of it but you can have a holiday from it and that holiday can be as long or as short as you want it to be and that that is quite a powerful message because people need to realize that you know if you have a relapse it's not the end of the world mm. you've beat it once you know you've got to a state of you kind of forget about it and you can forget about it for a long time but it's it's not the end of the world if it comes back is it like mm. you know, it's it is quite prudent what you say about you know creative minds and comedians and things like that and it's the same in a lot of people that are very good at their fields and i know, I know that it's tyson fury and he is who he is he's the first one as far as i'm really concerned to be at the height of his career the height of his fame and have such a downfall and then openly talk about it i know there's other people that have been there and done it but he's still got to get up every day and go to work you know he's not retired and like he says if he can do it anyone can so for my benefit and i suppose anyone who's listening who is also a boxing novice <laughs> can you talk me through maybe a bit about what the tyson fury like did he does he suffer with mental health or yeah so um bipolar and depression so after he beat klitschko because that was his mountain and he conquered the mountain and didn't like the view basically and obviously he got slated in the press they was twisting his words and there was a lot of very negative stuff said about him which then helped him spiral a bit quicker and obviously as he's as he's come back i think he's you know realized that focusing on the top of the mountain is the worst thing you can do you want to focus on every step at all. You don't want to meet the top of the mountain until the day you die, really. Because if you have incremental goals, for instance, if your goal is, right, today I'm going to run a mile, you'll be happy once you've run a mile. But if your goal is, I'm going to run a marathon, okay, what's next? Another marathon, another marathon? And it's the same thing, not incremental goals because the people who are running marathons they're gonna then start focusing on bringing their time down and i think that's what people need to realize is incremental goals 
are a key to long-term happiness. My dog's kicking off now. <laughs> Is that him growling? Yeah. <laughs> Frankie, come in. <laughs> Frankie, come in. Oh. Very sweet. <laughs> oh, now Gilbert's going mad. One sec, let me just let him out. <laughs> So I have, um, I guess, a bit of a question for you that I think can round this off quite nicely. But what are your, like, I mean, I'm just intrigued to know what the, the goals of this podcast are. Like you said, you know, your certain goals, like where, what is the end game for it? I don't have an end game. Um, I want to take one step at a time. So the reason why I'm doing the mini series now is suicide rates go up drastically in the run-up to Christmas. Um, it's a mixture of probably financial pressure for some people, um, being on their own uh, around Christmas, um, seasonal oppressive disorder, uh, many different factors. And if one person listens to this and goes, oh, do you know what, today I might, I might pick up my guitar, I've not picked it up in four years, or, oh, actually, I might do some uh, drawing, or I might go for a walk. If one person does that, then I'll be happy. But the long-term goal really would be to be in a position where I have a, a team of people up and down the country that have all done their mental health first aid course, which I've paid for. I don't want anyone to pay for it. I want to pay for it, um, which is the reason why I'm, I started the hair products business was to fund that. And I don't really have a long-term goal for it because I know if I set myself a goal, once I get there, I'll go, okay, what do I do now? Now what? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that's my biggest problem is I did a lot in life very young. You know, a dad at 21, bought a house at 21, opened up my first business at 24. And... I remember being 29 and running up to my 30th birthday thinking, well, what the fuck have I got left to do with my life? I'm married, I've got a house, I've got kids, I've got a business. Like, what What do I do now? And that's when it all kicked in for me again. Because when I moved to England when I was 14, that's when it first happened, which is understandable. You know, I've, I've left a country I grew up in, left all my friends. And it was, you know, what, 2005? So what you had MSN Messenger, there was no uh, Instagram and Snapchat and stuff. And people who live out in Cyprus, where I grew up, they don't go home and sit on their computers, they're down the beach. So I, that's was when I felt isolated. And like I said, I had a holiday from it for a long, long time, hit 29, all these thoughts coming in, and that's when it started again. Yeah, Which I is think why I don't have an end goal now. I'm like, right, that's just one step at a time. Yeah, I, th I think that's um, one thing that's important to say is that, you know, it can come on at any time. It can happen when you are like, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, like you can just suddenly feel this way. Um, and I think, yeah, opening up the conversation any way possible is the most important thing, really. Like, even if it means that people listening to this can turn to you, turn to me, or even just, you know, pick up a pencil and start doing something. Um, but I think my main message is you 
you can get out of this. Like if anyone is listening to this and is like, you know, I've listened to this whole thing and I still feel like crap, you know, I, I, I don't feel like I can you know, get up in the morning, like, you know, I can't, I can get through this. You can and you will. Like it, we all, we all are able to do that. Like you, there is a way through it and you just have to kind of, it's so cheesy, but like believe in yourself and that you will be able to do it one day. Like it, it does get easier. Yeah, it gets hard again, but it does get easier as you go through it. Like you, your, your lows will still be there, but you'll know how to deal with it better and better throughout the time. Yeah, it's it's learning a coping mechanism, mm-hmm. and you know that there's many different things you can do when you feel like you're say got a panic attack coming on, or there's like a a crisis point, and one of my favorite ones uh, there's, there's many ones out there there's some i didn't like at all but is where you clench your feet and hold then your calves and hold and release then your quads then your back your stomach your shoulders your biceps your forearms your hands and then work your way back round to your feet it's like tense release different parts of your body from your feet to your hands and back down and I don't know the science behind it. Um, it was explained to me by the counsellor, but it it works. That's something very simple. If mm. something that simple can work in a moment of crisis, you like to say, why can't just one day at a time? Why can't that work? If something so simple can work, then it anything simple mm. is better think- than putting the pressure on yourself. My, when I'm having my really like, you know, I've dealt with really, really bad depression and my coping mechanism with that was writing a list of like to do's and I would write the most basic things on there. Like not like literally get up. Like that is one, make the bed. That is another. Sometimes I would put on there things I'd already done. So if I'd had a coffee, I'd be like, make coffee, drink coffee. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> like, it just makes you feel like you're being productive. And then you can just, you know, once you've done one thing, the other thing feels less scary. So, you know, going out feels a bit less scary once you're dressed or once you've had a shower, it just feels a little bit less scary. Um, and another mechanism is people always say, you know, uh, what, what's like one thing you can see, smell, it kind of brings you back into the room when you're about to have a panic attack. And that's what I find withdrawing helps as well. Like, you know, oh, I'm just going to draw this literal setting around me because then you're kind of a bit more aware of the situation that's going on and you're a li- bit less in your mind. And I think that's the key thing, isn't it, about all of this, about the one you just said as well. It's about getting escaping out of, like, this scary place that is your mind and just being more aware of your body, your surroundings, and everything just seems a little bit less scary. All right, so before we... Before we wrap this up, if you could go back and say something to yourself when you was at your lowest, what would you say? God, that is that's hard. Um, because I I struggle still to think about myself when I was at my lowest because it relates back to those feelings, like they're very familiar with me still. Um, I hate, I don't want to say something just like, you know, it gets better. It obviously does. Um, I would say, remember to keep stopping and looking back on how much you've achieved. 
because I used to do a terrible thing where, like you said, you keep looking forward. What's what's next? What's next? Oh, I haven't done anything. I'm, you know, imposter syndrome. I think just regularly stop and look at where you are and be proud of how far you've come. And every day, just keep thinking that you look at yourself in the mirror and think, I am so proud of who I am. And I think it's so important to, to have that reflective moment and not be panicking and just stop and think, okay, I'm doing okay, you know, but by my standards, I'm happy with where I am. Yeah, it's brilliant because there could be people listening to this that are in that place right now and they don't have the benefit of hindsight. So there's some many things I would say to myself, but I would say you've got this slowly, slowly catching monkey. And it sounds silly, but that's all I would have needed. And I think anyone listening to this, if you're in that place right now, just remember that you're not the first, you won't be the last. And if anyone can do it you can because if you're listening to this you've already taken the first step sorry my dog's barking again one second (laughs) you'll have to get him on camera does gilbert want to come on and say goodbye (laughs) it's just the it's the crows outside. He just uh, he just wants to attack the crows. <laughs> They're probably as big as him, aren't they? They are. <laughs> He's got little man syndrome, I think. Little dog syndrome. <laughs> yeah, my dog has exactly the same issue. But <laughs> he's all barking, no trousers. He'll bark at something, run there and go, oh, God, and run away. <laughs> exactly, exactly the same. Cool. Well, thank you for coming on. No, it's it's been a pleasure. And I think what you're doing is so, so important. Like if I, if I knew things like this existed, or even if maybe they didn't exist when I was going through things, you know, it started when I was in my early 20s. Um, maybe even only that when I was like 14, to be honest, like originally, if I knew, if I could listen to something like this, I think I would be where I am now a lot quicker. Um, because, you know, what I love most about this is that it might be scary for people to listen to it, but I'm hoping that if they got to this point of the podcast, they are feeling stronger in themselves and they should be, because like you said, listening to this is step one. Yeah. In, in anything, and it sounds odd, but the first step to beating being an alcoholic is admitting you're an alcoholic. It's the same with mental health issues. The first step is sometimes something as silly as, reading an article or listening to a podcast and if that can give you inspiration and encourage you to go get help go do it exactly right thank you very much for coming on and check out shannon's artwork on her instagram if you want to plug your art instagram yep it is at shannon rose lane um and please also anyone who wants to learn some artwork or just have a chat please pop up into my dms i'm more than happy to chat to anyone Okay, brilliant. Well, I've had an idea, but I'll tell you off camera so it's not on the podcast, just in case. uh... (laughs) All right, thank you very much. No problem. Thank you so much. See ya. See ya.